Hey everyone, Nick Chamberlain here, and I just wanted to let you know that we are coming out with new episodes very soon. So stay tuned, and you're going to love what we have to offer inside the offer. Hello and welcome to Inside the Offer, a podcast that is dedicated to connecting and bringing life to those who are on a mission to provide for their family by building their own successful business. We believe that the key to standing out in the crowded world of entrepreneurship is having a unique offer that sets your business apart. Whether you're a stay-at-home parent looking to create a side hustle, a recent college graduate with an entrepreneurial spirit, or a seasoned business owner, this podcast is for you. We'll sit down with individuals who have navigated the unique challenges of self-employment to share their stories and insights. We'll uncover the paths that have led them to where they are today and the strategies they use to build and grow their businesses. Don't forget to hit subscribe on your favorite podcast catcher so together we can inspire each other to reach our goals and create a fulfilling future for our families. Let's go. Hello and welcome to another episode of Inside the Offer. I am your host, Nick Chamberlain. And in today's episode, we are going to be speaking with Brad Indris. Brad is the CEO and founder of Avail Capital, which is a business consulting firm that specializes in startups and nonprofit organizations. Additionally, you'll get some insight into what Avail is doing by creating some new capital for those who are looking to start their own business or looking to scale and grow their business. And also, we'll take a behind-the-scenes look at Brad's consulting business and how that operates. This is a great episode, especially if you are looking to just get started and want to know a little bit about what it looks like to start your own business. Brad, welcome to the show. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got started with Avail Capital? Yeah. Uh, well, Avail, just like many people in, in the small business startup world, um, wasn't the first thing I decided to try to do. It's been the culmination of many years of trial and errors, um, learning experiences, you know, kind of seemingly random things that have kind of coalesced into this idea of, of, a, of a company, of a firm, if you will. I would say it started, you know, about eight years ago now when I started, um, I did mission work with a group called FOCUS. It stands for the Fellowship of Catholic University Students. And so what we do is we would go out on campus and, and meet young people. You know, we'd have a team of four, two guys, two girls, and the guys would go reach out to the guys, the gals would go reach out to the gals, and we would have Bible studies primarily, but we would also share life and, and, and kind of invest in these relationships to help people grow in the faith. You know, we were a small business. We were a team of four on a big campus. I was at the University of Connecticut, and we'd have to go out and fundraise for our salary. We'd have to manage the team bank account to put on events on campus and such like that. Um, and then we'd also just have to go to work every day. It was up to us to make our schedules. Um, and we had a team director, which I eventually became, who was kind of our boss, but we really had to be uh, very intentional and be very proactive about work. You, we could have just sat at home and played video games or drink coffee all day, but we didn't, you know, we, we went on mission. So that was the first taste of what, did, what does it look like to work for myself? After Focus, I went and I started a master's program. I went into higher education. 
Uh, I got my master's. I was working towards a PhD, and I felt the call. You know, God definitely asked me to to consider going back into the mission world, and so I said yes to that. But this time, I wasn't joining a big organization that was that had been around for many years. I was starting up my own with a couple of friends, and so we jumped in uh, to this new startup ministry, this outreach mission that was called Crosswoods for Christ. The little four here stands for that C for C. And so we had to build everything from the ground up. You know, it was the same idea, go and meet people and, you know, bring the gospel to them. We were doing that to young professionals now instead of college students, but we had to grow all of our systems from the ground up, fundraising, business structure, management, payroll, like all the little things that you never thought about because it's often like built for you. We had to build. And so after that, um, did that for a couple of years, we were able to, to make it work, myself and two other full-time staff members. And now I'm back here in Texas raising our kids. You know, that was our, our um, impetus to get back home to the great state here. And then, um, yeah, I started looking around saying, what am I going to, going to do for work? And I realized I kind of know how to start things and fundraise. So why don't I help other people do that too? And that kind of became a core component of the business model is to help startups, especially nonprofit startups, get the revenue they need and to express their mission in a way that's convicting and um, compelling and can attract others to to support them. And um, wrapped up in some other kind of venture capital type things, but at the core of it, we we try to help startups gain the capital to to get off the ground and that's through a lot of different ways, um, you know, but primarily it's through this startup consulting services type of, of thing. Okay. So how did you start your own Crossroads for Christ in 2019? How, how did you start that? Like, what did that look like? Yeah. The friends I met during my time out on campus with Focus, they were just young adults like me in Connecticut. They just, mm-hmm. they were doing their own thing. They came up with the idea for C4C. They felt called to start it. I was kind of bringing some concepts that I learned from Focus, you know, that I was taught on how to do this kind of mission work. I gave them a little bit of that at the very early stages, and then they kind of ran with it. And then when I got done with Focus and I came back for my, in August, this is over the summer, right? So I left for a couple months to come back home to Texas. When I got back from my graduate work, they were hitting the ground running. They were trying to really put this thing together. And I, over time, I kind of became a consultant of sorts to them um, as they were growing this mission. And that involvement grew to me being involved with like the actual leadership team with a cup with many others um, over the next couple of years. Nice. I know. I think you mentioned this, but what what was your master's degree in? Uh, sports medicine, um, it, sports <laughs> physiology. Okay. So when I tell you, like I've, there, it's been a okay. God yeah. makes straight okay. with crooked lines. Like it's been a lot of different paths that just have brought me here. So. Okay, no, that's beautiful. Yep, man. Okay, so then you left then to go to Texas to start your own thing with all these skills and knowledge that you've developed over the years. You're right. Right now, who? are your ideal clients right now that right. you're kind of going after and what is the offer that you're currently like offering them? Sure. Yeah. My ideal client is anyone who's trying to start off the ground, right? Nonprofit or for-profit business, anyone who's trying to make their vision a reality and to try to create a mission that will actually do good in the world. You know, we work with faith-centered people, faith-centered entrepreneurs, faith-centered um founders, 
who want to go out and, and do and feel convicted of whatever you know work they they feel called to do, we want to help them do it because the world needs people who don't just show up to get a paycheck, but who show mm-hmm. up with some sort of vision in their mind of how the world can be better. And we want to help founders do that. And so our bread and butter is is definitely fundraising for nonprofits. I mean, that is by and far our number one thing. But like revenue is revenue. You're either getting it from donors or you're getting it from customers. And so we help nonprofit and for-profit startups systematize themselves and actually be intentional with their their business so that way they can bring new donors in or bring new customers in so that way they can grow and scale appropriately to to reach the vision that they have and we help them shape that vision too you know because everyone has something everyone's driven by something even if you try to suppress that and you're just kind of going through life like there's something inside of you that wants to come out to make a difference and so we try to unlock that with people and help those who have already kind of taken that step along the way to get there to make that vision reality mm. we want to help them do it because trust me like I've been there where you sit around saying we feel convicted of this mission to like go out and bring the gospel to young adults and then you look yeah. around going well how are we going to pay how are we going to get paid <laughs> you know how are we going <laughs> to yeah. like I had a family you know how am I going to support this family <laughs> the two other team members they they were also you know they had to pay their bills and so we had to learn a lot during that time frame. And that's what I want to bring to people to say, hey, I know the direction. It's going to take a lot of work. It's going to take a lot of just, you know, the analogy would be like taking a machete and just hacking away through the forest. Uh, we want to help you go in the right direction so that way you, know, you can achieve the goals that you have for yourself. All right. So you have all these ideas to help all these different businesses and peoples and startups, but how do you actually go out and what's and find them, what's your current client acquisition strategies? And which ones have seen been fruitful for you and maybe not so fruitful? Great. Yeah. So right now, um, I'm kind of in the startup phase myself, right? Um, this new business yeah. venture that I've got going on. So I'm really tapping into my network. I've been blessed with, you know, the last seven or eight years being working in especially the Catholic world, you know, the Catholic mission world. And a lot of those people um, have gone on to start up their own missions or to start up their own ventures. And so I really, I just plug into those friendships, those connections that I've maintained over the last eight years. And I've just, um, you know, when I started out, I sent an email blast and I said, hey, everyone, this is what I'm doing. If you are interested in working with me, please let me know. That bore fruit. It wasn't like a 100% hit rate, but it was enough to get me one or two clients to get off the ground. Yeah. So I started there. And then secondly, you know, I, I started texting close friends, asking them who they knew that works with people like my client base. So who are those who create websites? Who are those who do marketing, like video marketing? Who are those who are involved in digital media? Who are those who work for like other mission organizations? And so I got connected with them and I just told them what I did. You know, I said, hey, I'm working with nonprofits to help them fundraise. I, I honed in, right? I, I do a lot more than that, but I honed in with that specific sector because that was my specialty. That was the easiest way for me to get in to work and to get clients. And it was the best return I could give on my time. You know, I didn't have to go buy anything new. It was all knowledge. It was all experience. So it was low overhead service, you know, that I could provide. So that first batch was emailing everyone. That second kind of outreach strategy was just individual texting and calling and asking, and I'd get connected with, you know, two or three more. 
And then lastly, I would go on those different membership websites, I guess is the best way to say it. You know, I, I got on, you know, LinkedIn or alumni groups of focus, right? I got on um, other different kind of communities of people who were faith-centered, who were trying, who might be wanting to start their own thing. And so I would scroll and read, and then I'd reach out to them and say, hey, sounds like you are doing something that I might be able to help you with. You know, would you want to talk? And then we would just talk, and I've got a few um, clients that way. So that was when I first started. And then now it's basically word of mouth, right? So you got to get off the ground somehow, and then your clients start referring you to other people. Um, and that that helps a lot. How long have you been starting up your business for now? Yeah, I full-time I started in November of 2021. So we're coming up on a year. Wow, you did all that work in a year? Or it's been a little more than a year doing all this process, but, you know, building Avail Capital. Yeah, I spent three or four months um, from summer of last year to kick off and November 1. I used that time to think about my strategy, build my systems, you know, start kind of putting pieces into play like the software, the the website, the email that, you know, that I needed to use. I start and I like a, an outreach strategy for client engagement and acquisition. You know, I, I created all of that during those few three or four months. I read a lot of books, you know, um, yeah, I talked yep. to a lot of people and then I was ready to go on November 1. I kind of hit play and then boom, all of that, all of that networking, all of that outreach went out and I went after it and tried to cultivate it. What were the specific books that helped you along the way or who were a couple of mentors that you had that kind of shaped your journey? I would say for the business, Traction. So uh, the, it's by Gino Wickman, the book Traction. Okay. That's a great book. It's more of a systematic, like businessy textbook, you know? So it's not like a, a business novel or it's not like an a inspirational kind of go get them book. Um, it's very <laughs> much like how to, and it's, and it's technical, right? In that regard. But what Gino does in that book is he gives you an operating system called the Entrepreneurial Operating System, EOS for short. And it gives you a guideline on how to create how to basically take everything that's in your head. Like I want to go and create a consulting company, right? That's, that's in my head. And it takes that and it puts it onto paper. Um, so that way you can actually build traction. You can grow because you're putting thoughts into actual tangible, practical steps. And it keeps you accountable because there's worksheets and there's stuff that you put together to help you kind of stay on track, if you will. So traction's great. Um, I, I recommend it for anyone. Secondly, there's a concept or a book. It's also both, right? I haven't read the book version. I've just listened to this guy. Um, I, think, I believe his name's Cameron Harold talk about this. It's called vivid vision. And so that's a, a second resource that I think is super important for people. Um, because that helps you lay out a vision. Like I talked about earlier, like what kind of vision do you want to have for your company? what kind of impact in the world do you want to have? So you start five years down the road, like best case scenario, you know, you put down your revenue numbers, you put down your customer numbers, you put down or your client numbers, you put down the type of office that you'll have and how many employees, right? The sky's the limit. You really just kind of create a story and you write what that looks like three to five years from now and you put it into paper. And then from that, you kind of work backwards. Once that's drafted, you work backwards and you create a business plan to achieve that. So 
that was super helpful too. It's more conceptual or theoretical, right? It's up in your head, but it allows you to kind of paint a desired outcome. And then you could work backwards and use the EOS to create an actual map to get there. And that's that's good. You know, it was very helpful for me. Yeah. And I also like when you're building your own business, like to have that future outlook, but also to like have your life, have your business planned around your life, you know, rather than have your life planned around your business. So I don't know if it goes into that aspect at all. Yeah, it does. And mine, like I wrote just full disclosure, I wrote mine as like a newspaper article, like someone coming to like interview me in five years. And I wrote it like that. And it did have elements of the business, but it also had elements of the business culture and as well as my family life, you know, um, because part of Avail Capital is not just what Brad wants. It's also the work of Brad and Mary Indris, right? What kind of life do we want to build together as a family, my wife? What do we want? What do we want that to look like in five years? Because it's like you just said, you know, the business cannot take over and become priority in my life. Why did I leave C4C? Why did I not go get a W9 or W2 job? Yeah. Why am I doing it this way? Is because I want to ultimately, my wife and I together, we decided we want to have a life that we can have control over, that we can um, put family first, that we don't always have to work to get more. We could put a business into play that could provide for our needs and our freedom, right? Financial and personal freedom the flourishing of our children, of our communities, right? All the things that we hold dear, as well as the same for our for our employees, hopefully one day, you know? Um, so we want to build that out for them too. Yeah, I don't know if that's like a trend going on or if I'm just like hanging around more people with the same mindset. It's just like, I want to build, you know, a better life for me and my family, like around like our terms. Well, using the gifts and talents that we've been blessed with, I've been blessed with, you know, in particular, and so I can build this business so I can actually take care of them. And then we can actually go out into the world to do what we need to do and have the freedom and options and choices to do what we would like to do, but not so much like in a, it kind of sounds like selfish. I want to do what I want to do when I do it, but yeah, there's a lot of freedom with it, but then there's no cap. There's no limit as well. So it's also kind of terrifying because also no one's telling you what to do or exactly how to do this. You're just learning from everyone. And that's like a big part of this podcast is just for me to go out there and to reach out and to connect with people like you to see how people are actually making this happen. So if anyone is listening in like five to 10 years from now, if anyone is like 20, 25, 30, you know, they're trying to figure out like, okay, well, how can I provide for my family? How I can actually make a living doing this without actually just being plugged into the system of like, you know, you you get trained to be, to do a specific job for a specific company. And so when you get out of that into this, the real world, like outside of doing that, it's, it's a very daunting place. Sorry. I was just going to add to what you said, because I agree with a hundred percent, you know, like Right now, right, in America, we train people mm-hmm. to act a certain way and think a certain way, especially about their finan- finances. Mm-hmm. And we're taught, you know, through school, go to work for a good company and get a solid, good job or a good paycheck that is stable and that'll provide. And that's not bad advice, right? But no one gets taught how money actually works and how those companies actually got to where they are. They had people, business people, founders, who created that company, they saw a need to create value in the world in whatever way, 
from Coca-Cola to Apple to, you know, Amazon, right? There was a, a value that they saw was lacking mm-hmm. in the world and they created it. So they're the ones reaping the rewards. So we like, it's important for anyone, founder, start, startup entrepreneur, or just W2 worker, all of them are equally good. It, it's just like you said, what kind of life do you feel called to lead? And I would, I would, an analogy or analogous kind of way to look at this is like the virtue of humility isn't just saying, oh, I'm nothing, you know? And when people say to be humble, right? They think that, oh, I just got to limit myself. It's not. It's seeing you as you really are. And if you've got faith behind you, if you're a Christian, it's seeing you in the eyes that God sees you. And that sometimes can be like, I'm the only one qualified or skilled enough to do X, right? Yeah. Um, Or God's just asking me to provide for my family and have a factory job. Like, that's great too. You know, my dad was that way. So it's not unhumble to look and say like, I need to create something because I feel convicted of it. Mm. It might just be what God's asking you to do. Um, If you're non-spiritual, you know, I would say let's talk because you should, (laughs) but um, (laughs) it might just be that you're convicted of something, right? You have a desire to make a difference in the world and that's fine too. And I would just say for anyone listening, don't be afraid to tap into that and, and go after it after a period of discernment and thinking about it. So for me, I was uh, you know a full time audio audio engineer at Catholic Answers for seven years, and then went to become a freelancer on the side to gain additional income for my growing family, and then we moved to Texas, and now it's just like I've I've been looking like you know for a full time job, and then every time I try to get one, it's just like door close and door close, like I just can't get one, and then I'm like, all right, God, well, are you sure you want me to build this? business thing up and so every time i work on it it just it grows a little more it grows a little more and grows a little more i was like it'd be so much easier if i could just have a job and someone could just tell me what to do yeah but i feel like when you're out on doing on your own doing your own thing you have the creative freedom to use your gifts and talents up to a hundred percent and it is very difficult well, so far for me, I don't know if it's been easy for anyone or if it's been easy for you, but nope. <laughs> it's been super difficult, but it's also been so re- rewarding because like I said, there's no limit to it. You can go reach out to as many people. You can help out as many people as possible. I mean, there's a, a place and time for everything, you know, depending on what job you're doing. But at this point in my life, it's like I'm trying to help out as many people as I can. And right now, it's just funny, you know, I went from musician to audio engineer to radio engineer to now podcast production. Yeah, that's okay. That's podcast production. It's great <laughs> or whatnot. But <laughs> I, I love like the business behind it and learning how everything operates. So that's why I'm like, we're going through your background. How'd you get into it? Your client acquisition, your education, who's your mentors to, um, I mean, I'd like to know like your sales process and like, every, there's just so much, to talk about and to eventually like growing a team and like, well, how are you a leader? How are you leading your team? How are you developing your team? Um, but r- right now for you, it's, it's just you right now, right? Correct. Yeah. And you could, I'll just agree with you. Like you could spend an hour of a podcast on each one of those segments. Right. And it feels like you're drinking water out of fire hose. A lot of times if you're in the startup world, because it's like, I, how do I do all of these at once when I'm on the only one wearing the hat, right? I have to wear every hat. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, right now it's just me. Um, I will say that my wife is really good at like creating content. Um, you know, like the branding on my website, right? The design, our, our material, our collateral, if you will, the stuff we hand out, you know, at networking events, brochures, handouts, whatever it may be. She does all of that. She's the branding guru. I just kind of tell her what I would like, and then I let her go and do it. I try to outsource as many things as possible because what's the number one thing for a founder or um, a creator to do? What's the number one thing for them to have more of is time. Your time is your money because you can create, you can network, you can do these things that are over $100 an hour work. And that's a concept, right? Like if you're trying to think about how, uh, if you're doing too much menial task, you know, is it $100 an hour work? Um, like bookkeeping, doing my accounting is not $100 an hour work. I I need, like, I don't need to do like a transactions list and to plug everything in the right bucket. I need to get somebody out there who knows what they're doing, who could do it in yeah. a fraction of the time it takes me to learn all this stuff. I need to go learn how to find new customers. I need to learn how to operate my business more um, mm-hmm. systematically and efficiently. I need to learn how to, you know, translate what I, I'm doing into a compelling narrative. You know, all of these things are way more important than keeping my books, right? Um, yeah. But I have to keep my books because for taxes and legal purposes. So, I outsource that. You know, I pay a consultant to do that. Same thing with legal, right? I could write up all of my contracts with clients and operating um, agreements, or I could hire a, a lawyer to do it. But like as a startup, don't you have to do that yourself though? Or it's like, or I mean, because what what comes first? You have to find the clients, then the money comes in, and then you start have to do everything else. You're like, oh, well, now here's a legal document. And like, What's the process and the steps of like, how do you eventually like outsource everything? Like, or how did you do that? I would say that, yes, there is an element of you just have to like get off the ground. So, mm-hmm. you know, I bought a subscription to QuickBooks Online rather than keep everything in an Excel file. I knew, and, and maybe that's a, a point that we could differentiate is find those systems that can help automate your work early on. And as soon as you possibly can, pass that off to a human who could do it. You know, like QuickBook Online helped me systematize and streamline my accounting. And it took care of a lot of the like putting things into buckets, right? It would literally take my receipts and put them in, you know, so that saves time. Things, you know, like legal, I looked at stuff online, I found some templates, and then I sent it to my lawyer, right? So I kind of did a lot of the heavy lifting up front, and then I just passed Mm -hmm. it along and said, does this look good? So that was the next step. Um, as far as like lead generation, I utilized what I had online. I used free, you know, searching. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I would go on these memberships like LinkedIn. I would go on these other um, portals with people involved. Using technology to your advantage early on helps maximize your or minimize your time on something and maximize the return yeah. on your effort. But then getting it to a place where you can outsource quickly is really important. And and, and what I would suggest a lot of startups do. Versus hold on to all the control, you could pass these off to people. And if you really want a practical way to do this too, you can look up virtual assistants. There's people in other countries who do all of this stuff. There are some companies that are like super big that the, all they use are, are virtual assistants, VAs, you know, VAs for marketing, VAs for social media, VAs for accounting, VAs for, I wouldn't say legal because that's something you need local help with, but VAs for cut like client and lead acquisition, all that kind of stuff. So that's another way to look into it too. It takes money, 
But at the end of the day, you're paying $30 an hour work. So that way you can do $100 an hour stuff. So you get a net return, a net profit off of that purchase. Yeah. So that that's the journey to getting from, you know, doing it yourself to getting it into someone else's hands and to, for you to continue to do the work that is going to ultimately, you know, boost your business and bring in more income, which then you can then outsource again. And then your business grows and then you're supporting other people, which is amazing. Like an amazing, amazing thing that you can do with the business is to actually support your family, support other people and support their family. So that's a, another reason that I love, you know, I got the business bug, just trying to grow it and help other people out. Can we now move into your 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 sales process? Do you like the sales process? How do you get, what's the step for a client signs up and says, I want to meet with you, Brad. And then what's this next step that you do? Do you have a sales roadmap? Do you have everything like, or is it just like a one-on-one conversation? How, how does it work for you? I think this is probably an area for my company that I could get better at is like systematizing the process for sure. And I think that's a good thing for everyone to do is create like a standard operating procedure from when they reach out to you in whatever way that is, either online or in person or through an email or text, whatever it is, that first interaction, streamline the process from there to like closing the deal um, and and putting them into your customer base. Right now, um, because the volume that I'm working with it's much more manageable than someone doing like online sales or some sort of thing like that where they have a product. I really kind of uh, take a, a more person-to-person approach where, yes, it's systematized or streamlined the way they can reach out to me. And that's why on my website, there's signups. That's why um, I send like little links to people, um, my clients. I'll send them a link for my calendar, right? So that way they could pass to friends. So there's just an easy way for them to get in touch with me. I have it on my email signature, like a link to to connect with me. So all of these things make it as easy as possible for people to connect with me, which I think is super important. You want that to be as easy as possible. Take advantage of technology when you can to do that. But after that, it's a lot of me meeting with them in a one-on-one discovery call, right? Consulting is a very human face-to-face, you know, service industry. So I try to get in front of them as soon as I can. And then I walk with them after hearing what they need. I, I give them a roadmap of what kind of services I could provide. I set up a game, a game plan for how we could work together to give them the services they need. Do you do the close on the call? Do you talk numbers? On the discovery call? Yeah. Or is it just like, and then afterwards, you, you're like, okay, well, this sounds great. You're going to be a great client. I'm going to help you. And here, I'm going to send a proposal to you. Or has it changed over the years? Or what's kind of your process? My process is to give them numbers on the call. You know, I, ha- I created um, like some packages, you know, just to have templates of services, right? And on one hand, right, and I'll just be on, like clear with, with the listeners here. Like on one side of that spectrum is like strictly fundraising coaching. Like how do you fundraise? And then on the other side of that spectrum is really just business development. Like, how do you create the systems to scale and grow? And there's on the everywhere on that. There's a couple of places on that spectrum that have a more of a mesh between the two. Um, so I I have standardized packages so that way people I know going into a call like what can I offer immediately if they just say shoot me what you think I need. But if I hear, and so I can give them that, and there's a price attached with that. Like I, I went through and I calculated what would be a just and reasonable price. So I can give them something right away. 
if they want a little bit more customization, well, then I have these packages to play from or to play mm-hmm. off of. And then I'll just give them something that sounds like it, it, somewhere in the middle, you know, and then the prices are reflective of that work. And so I, I make it super easy where I can just have a Zoom call and look on my other computer and be like, oh, this is what I could do for you. I have the price there. They know everything. They know what they're getting. Um, and then I could also like, you know, naturally kind of customize that on the fly if I need to. But I'll do that during a discovery call for sure. And I'll give them one of those packages or one type of mm-hmm. of service package that I think would work for them. And I'll give them a number for, for them to discern about. One of the most difficult things to do as, you know, a freelancer turning into a business owner or a business owner starting a business, well, for me, from my perspective, was coming up with pricing. Like, what is the price and price model? So for me, I would go to other websites and see what they were charging and then I was like, all right. And then I would just like have like just a, an internal feeling of like, I think this feels good. But then I did hire a, a business coach and he like, we broke down all the hours of everything I was doing and saw how much I was charging. And he broke down the hourly rate. He's like, you're only making about 5 to $7 an hour, even though it seems like, you know, you're charging $60, $70 a project. And you're just like, well, I thought I was making more money than that. But <laughs> no, how, how do you come up with like your pricing structure and how much you price? Is it based on like the market value, what other people are doing? Is it based on like your needs and like how much you need to, um, you need to provide for your family? How, how does that work for you? Yeah, it's a little bit of both, but what I would do first is I would, I had friends who did consulting work, right? I would do my market research. Like, what do you guys charge? And they were a bigger, more institutional firm. You know, they'd been around for many years. So like Mm -hmm. they were name brand basically. So I asked them, okay, what is name brand charge? You know, and I asked (laughs) them their per hour rate for a variety of different services. And so then I plugged all that in um, and I, I Google searched, right? But you can't really trust everything you see online. And yeah. So I kind of referenced the two and I saw what was a good kind of middle ground between that. So I used that as like standard rate, like what it would cost the people I work with to get the same services from a name brand or like institutional consultant firm, consulting firm. I'd line it all up by hours, right? Hours, time, hourly rate. And I would equal that all up. And then I would see what that amount was. And then I would take a 20 to 30% discount off the top of that because I'm working with startups who don't have all the money in the world, right? So I want to reflect and help startups. And I'm also a startup, right? So there's an element of I can't charge brand name uh, cost because I'm not a brand name yet, even though I believe in what I do. So I would take a percentage off that made sense for, okay, like how much do I need to raise for my family? You know, how much is a good living wage? what's reasonable, right? I can't do 90% discounts off of this, but you know, I found in a happy medium, which really is between 10 and 20% off of this, the the name brand stuff. And then that would be my package. I mean, that's literally kind of how I went about it. That's great. And then every six months or a year, you, you know, you raise it three, 4%. And then over time you'll eventually be there. And, and, you know, after two or three years, you, you have the experience that you need. And then it's eventually after 10, 15 years, then, you're up there with the other brand names. Correct. All right. So after you 
you go through the sales process and they say yes, you send contracts, everyone signs everything. What does like a typical uh, project look like and what, what's your delivery look like? Right. Um, so we'll, we'll take my like fundraising clients, you know, um, as an example here. And what that looks like is I'll walk them through a workshop, like a fundraising coaching workshop, where they'll go from zero experience, zero knowledge at all. And we go through five hours. So it's a boot camp. It's like super quick. But we go through five hours of coaching to get them to a place where they can actually sit in front of someone just like this in person and invite them to support their mission. So they'll get all of the different skills, like interpersonal skills, conversational skills, the scripts that are are effective. You know, mm. um, they'll get kind of the the mindset of fundraising, like how it's more. It really is ministry and and mission oriented. It's not just this necessary evil, right? It's an integral part of what they do. We'll talk about that to get them in a place that's ready to actually go out. Um, so that's like a, a heavy piece of what that looks like. I give them a booklet so that way they can reference to uh, reference it along their way. Um, and then I'll help after that, you know, I'll have weekly accountability calls with them, coaching calls where we'll sit down and we'll make a game plan for that next group of donors they'll engage. We help look at, we try to create a house file of sorts, you know, like a, a list of names they can reach out to. I'll help them craft that. I'll help them create material to hand out at these meetings, you know, um, hmm. like collateral, like I mentioned earlier, the brochures, the handouts, the letters, pledge cards, whatever it may be. I help them craft these things that are on brand and compelling and have a, a, have a unified message across the multiple different types of material, right? So that way they'll come in, they'll look super professional, they'll know what to say, they'll know how to say it, and they'll ask in a way that gives people a reason to say yes. And so, um, yeah, we, that's kind of what we offer to those types. Wow. No, that's a lot of work right there. <laughs> so that, yeah. that's, a, that's a great, great offer you have there. What uh, advice, yeah, wisdom or advice that you'd have for startups in general? Like, like what kind of like mindset should they have like going into starting up, whether it's becoming like a freelancer to a, a business owner or just straight into like out of college or changing career paths, maybe like going into starting a business? Yeah, I would say before anyone starts their own thing, they have to know why they're doing it. You have to be able to convey the message of why is this important enough to me to leave behind everything I've been doing to start up my own thing or to 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 try to build this from the ground up. Without a why, everything just becomes work. And you might as well just go get a W2 job, which means work for somebody else who cuts your paycheck, right? Like Mm-hmm. Don't burn and, and fail and get burnt out without a conviction behind it. And that's what I would say to anyone who's starting out. Uh, find out what your why is so that way you can build everything around that why. Because that why will get you through the the very thin moments of your career, right? Or your job, your company, when there's not a lot of money coming in. It'll get you through the trying times. It'll get you... It'll help you stay grounded through the good times where everything's going right. You're killing it. You're crushing it. You're doing well. It'll help you stay grounded to why you started in the first place. So that way you don't drift off your mission. That way you don't, you know, start seeing yourself as better than you really are. Um, And it helps. Yeah. It just helps you stay in this grounded playing field. So that way every decision you make from the bad times to the good times can be made in the same from the same place of your desire to change the world in whatever way. 
Well said, Brad. So what does the future of Avail Capital look like? And what are some kind of, you know, services you're going to offer or other projects that you have coming up that we should look forward to? Sure. So yeah, Avail, um, we are, I would say this, Avail is a Catholic venture capital firm. We're a benevolent venture capital firm is another way to say it. And so we try to grow capital and then we give it away in the future and we help people guide that capital that they get from us. And so to that end, yeah, we're trying to grow our client base to help our startup clients, Mm. but we're also growing our capital in a real way through real estate investing. So both of those things are going on right now. I've got a lot of clients that I'm helping build their businesses to help grow the human and the organizational and the system capital for their business. But then I'm also out there um, in the real estate world, taking down new deals, um, trying to grow that that little portfolio there so that way we can give away financial capital in the future. So it's a lot. Um, but right now, that's kind of where we're at right now is growing the real estate side and then growing the, the number of clients that we have on the consulting side. And it's going well so far. There's a lot of momentum. That's great. Uh, what would be the best way for someone to reach out to you, connect with you, or to learn more about you and your business? They could um, go on our website, www.availcapitaltx.com. And they could learn more about our consulting services there. They can sh- sign up to our newsletter. You know, We send that out every once in a while, so that way they can stay up to date with what we're doing. Uh, we do have an Instagram handle. There's nothing posted yet, uh, but we're about to get that off the ground. And that's the handle is at Avail Capital TX. And they could uh, see the projects we're working on on the real estate side. Um, they could see kind of the renovations that we've got going on. We've got some cool commercial properties that are being um, renovated for some cool business models here in the next couple months. And so that's more of our real estate um, front. So they want to know about our consulting, go to the website. They want to know more about our real estate adventures. Um, they could go and look at our Instagram. Perfect. And I will have all that on the show notes, which will be available inside the offer.com. And thank you so much, Brad, for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much, Nick. This was awesome. Yeah. I love doing these things. So thanks for uh, inviting me on. And thank you so much for sticking around and listening to this entire episode. If you missed any of those links, you can easily find them by going to the show notes page, which is found at insidetheoffer.com forward slash five. If you or anyone you know would like to be on this podcast to showcase their business or to help the listeners out with any aspect of business, you can do so by going to insidetheoffer.com and by clicking on the message tab. I invite you to please hit subscribe and follow so you don't miss out on the next episode of Inside the Offer. We are going to be talking with Taylor Martin. He is a designer that specializes in the triple bottom line. What's that? That's the people, profit, and planet. If you want to learn more about Taylor and to hear how he has started his business and grown it into a successful design agency, then you do not want to miss the next episode of Inside the Offer. Hey everyone, Nick Chamberlain here, and I just wanted to let you know that we are coming out with new episodes very soon. So stay tuned, and you're going to love what we have to offer inside the offer.